Welcome another episode of Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck. In fact, this episode is going to be about 1969 Tops baseball. So thank you, Tops, for uh, being there in 69. You were uh, had the had the field to yourself, but put out an interesting set. Also have Huggins and Scott auctions, Heritage auctions, Mike Stadium sports cards, Burbank sports cards, a couple of great uh, shops west of Mississippi. And Beckett Media, including Beckett Grading and Authentication, the comic books, the price guides, all the stuff they're doing, and ComC, SueMC.com out in Seattle, uh, doing a great job helping people buy and sell cards with being able to see the exact scan of what you're buying or selling. So great environment there. Rich, my frequent guest, is here. Also, not necessarily representing ComC in the fullest extent, but mainly because you, uh, 69 Tops, has a special place in your heart. So welcome, Rich. Thank you, Jim. And yes, I I collected 69 tops as a kid. And actually, with the exception of two cards, number 549, 561, and I don't remember whether I'm getting it right. One is Ron Brand and the other is Ron Clark. Must have been something about Ron. As I collected the entire set out of packs. When we took a summer vacation up to Maine, they had the last two series packs. So the cards I didn't get in New Jersey, I got up in Maine and I was able basically to finish the set you know, that way. And so I always had a complete 69 set from the time I was nine years old. 69 tops is, uh, that, I mean, that's, that's great, but is 69 the exception that the last series is not the tough series? The third, third series, series is a uh, little bit tougher. Nothing thankfully is really hard in 69. Nothing's really hard, but, uh, is Reggie? Reggie's in the third series. Well, Reggie, uh, Reggie was collecting all his rookie cards. And if during one of the wildfires, he was going to save, 500 or 536 or 563, whatever his career homers was, and he was going to number them and sell them when he got into the Hall of Fame. And we had a whole bunch of those cards get burned down and never stayed in the marketplace. That actually for a while drove up the price of Reggie rookies since Reggie was actually buying his own rookie card. Well, it's uh, I think there's a little bit of condition. uh, And there is is condition. I mean, the kids played with the rookie cards. You know, they played with all the cards. And so you do have some condition issues just based on normal wear and tear. 69 is also a fascinating set because it's affected by the players union because Marvin Miller was telling people don't pose for these baseball cards until we start getting more money. So they did uh, repeat. So they had to do a lot of repeat poses until finally the last couple series, the players association and tops worked out a more mutually beneficial uh, payment plan. And then you see a whole bunch of newer photos into the the last couple series. Uh, a nice guy who works for the Hall of Fame, Bruce Marcusen, does a weekly yeah. article called Card Corner. And he wrote one in tribute of Joe Keogh the other day. And that one was, and he talked about the photo being obviously a spring training photo because it's in the higher series. And it's really cool to see the evolution of the 69 top set from having to use the recycled photos Frankly, some of them had to be recycled because it's an expansion year and they added four teams and right. you're not going to have in first series Zolio Versailles drafted by the Padres. You don't want to put him in a Dodgers or a Twins cap. He's a Dodger right. in 68. Right. You don't want to have that. So you have to have some of the recycled photos anyway. Yeah. They, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, when I was a kid, and I think this is kind of true, is that the condition of cards in a set uh, gets better in the later series because they're less handled. So Correct. the first series handle a lot. Second, third, fourth, but you get to the sixth or seventh series, they just came out and maybe they got put away. They got less flipped, less played with. I think that probably applies to uh, those cards in the late 60s, early 70s for sure. Well, you have kids on vacation. You have kids at summer camp. So you don't have as much kids necessarily just hanging around. 
and flipping the cards in the schoolyard since the kids are out of school. And again, 69 being an exception, many of those high numbers were, were probably produced in, in smaller quantities because of exactly what you're saying. They're going to come out when kids are no longer I think in they are in smaller quantities, but it's not such a huge difference compared to like a 66 or a 67 when you try to chase down a Grant Jackson 66 or a Don Shaw Gary Sutherland 67 card, you know, that are very scarce cards. Not very scarce, but, you know, much harder to find on your normal run than, than there are the 69s. There are tricky 69s, but nothing super scarce. Uh, Tug McGraw was always a, yeah. you know. Rich, what, uh, you know, in the 69 Tops product, there were other things in the pack. Right, and in fact, if we'd been smart, we'd have collected not just, we'd have held onto the boxes, we'd held onto the packs, I mean, the wrappers, as well as everything. But what else was in the pack well, I, that the, you as a kid thought was interesting? The third series had the Deckle Edge cards, the only year they do that. They also have, I believe in the fourth or the fifth series, the little de decal inserts. Yes. And those are really cool. I mean, you don't see them very much. Not as much anymore. Uh yeah, I think they're nice. They're really nice. And I look at the photos. I get part of my job at Com. See, I, I do ID cards a couple hours a day, and I try to focus as much as I can on older cards where I actually know something rather than, and this is not a knock because Panini has told me that their focus groups like them, but I cannot differentiate the colors of 27 prism inserts oh. when they're parallels, but I can usually figure out what a tops card from 69 is. But I see the decals and they're really good. And so it's a, right. it's a world I can live with. Simpler days. Simpler days. Simpler days. But they also did a lot of test issues in 69. They have the stamps. They have the top supers. The and supers, the, yeah. And I guess the supers went really well. They made the cards bigger, and then they put them out in packs the next two years. Why'd they ruin it by making it bigger? You know, they may have had a licensing issue that they were only able to do a certain... I mean, it, they, they, there wasn't the proliferation of sub-brands back in those days. Most of Topps' test issues were oversized or... You know, different size. They were, if they were smaller, they are same size. They were in the pack, and generally smaller. If they were bigger, they were their own either test issue or or more limited issue. But maybe they needed to be bigger for licensing reasons. You know, that's an interesting question. And you know, I don't think anybody's around, and I don't even think the paperwork's around anymore. I'm sure that paperwork is long gone. But that is an interesting question about what the players' association at that point was allowing them to do. They also have an OPC set in '69, which is the same size, but it's only the yeah. first. But it's only the first, the first two yeah, series. Yeah. And they're and they're immediately recognizable. Oh yes. front and back. The back's a slightly different color, and the front has much more of a matte finish, as I recall. Yeah. But still very collectible. Yes, very collectible. I mean, very OPG had been running for a few years by then, but still, that's. And what's interesting is there is a '69 Decalage OPG yes, too, it's and Canadian, those yeah. are blank back compared to the Americans, and I think there's only 22 in the Decalage yeah, yeah. set. And again, very, those are the the, the American Decalages are, are pretty plentiful and. How do you grade those anyway? I mean, you, you're not concerned about whether it's a 9.5, but you know, when something's deckled, you know, it's not sharp corners. I mean, is there, can there be any fraying? I think that'd be hard to grade. But you also have to look about the surface. That's maybe yeah. where the four subgrades of the Beckett grading surface comes into play because that, that's where surface counts or if somebody wrote something on the back. They had a little more of a photo finish yes. on the front and the back was, was very, very, uh, pencil friendly or something seemed like it was you could you could write on it people did that not me listeners i i actually i i have written on cards before i'm just embarrassed to admit it well that's okay buck but, marker wrote on a ton and of buck, cards i have buck marker cards that i got from him personally that'd be a subject of another another uh, episode but when when buck barker one of the iconic uh, legends of the industry and a great cataloger when he had notations on the back of the card i have not erased those off <laughs> but uh they that ought to add value you know, we're talking about 69. One of the other fascinating aspects of 69 is all the variations. Yes. 
you know, you have a couple, po you have a pose variation with Clay Dalrymple. You have Don Clendenin being either an Astro or an Expo. Yeah. You have Ellie Craig, Rodriguez on, Medals, on a rookie yeah. card, either spelled Rodriguez or Rodriguez. Rodriguez yeah. And then you have the sixth, then the fifth series has a bunch of white letters as opposed to yellow letters. The most expensive and well-known one is obviously Mickey, Mickey yeah. Mantle. Yeah. I've never owned a white letter mantle. I've owned just about everybody else in white letters. I, I, I think I still have one of those, but it's not, it's... Uh, Again, the the design difference is so subtle that it you'd think it wouldn't even if it's a lot scarcer, it's not different enough to have a high price. But with Mantle, people are trying to chase uh, again his last card or his last year of of tops cards. Of uh, had he retired? He retired. The back of the card says Mickey retired yeah. on March first, nineteen sixty nine. So it really got a cachet because it got his complete career stats on the back so of the So that's car. their justification because they put him in the last or next last series, I thought. He's in the fifth series, then okay. the series goes to seven. Okay. And it's kind of cool because they that you know, five hundred we we were talking before right. we got on the air about zero zero being such an important number right. in those days. Mickey at five hundred is obviously you know, a he, tribute to his past yes. uh, and career. And and uh, the career statistics on the back, I mean I, I wish again now if a player plays twenty years, maybe you got a problem. But in general, I'd love to see uh, more uh, and, and, and with Mickey, you can see a you know kind of, uh, but for injuries, he'd be, he'd be have some really stellar. Well, he's got pretty numbers good numbers even though. Well, but I mean, it, it just when you do the math, you just think, wow! If you take his fifty six season and extrapolate from that, you think, wow, this guy would right. be but hitting what, a thousand home runs. But it also brings up an interesting point: is that Tops was so kid oriented in those days, they didn't do career stats on a lot of cards. The 73 Clemente, and I know he's your favorite player, yeah, yeah. has his career stats because he's card number 50 and it's yeah. in production when the plane goes down. Right. Otherwise, they might not be a 73 Clemente. We don't have or a, an in memoriam or something. Right. Yeah. We, don't have a, we don't have a 64 Stan Musial. We don't have a 74 Willie Mays. Those cards would have been really cool with career stats on the back. Yeah. What about the, uh, the little, I'm just kind of thinking about this, but there are little cartoons on the back. And those, was that interesting to you as a, as a young, young, young? They're more interesting now. I didn't understand the greatness of the Jack Davises who actually drew those cartoons. You know, they, they use some of the very best cartoonists to do that. You know, for the cartoonists, it's okay, extra money. But it was kid oriented. Why do you put cartoons on? Because comics are kid oriented. Right. And, and so that may have an appeal to the to the younger audience. Yes. But in '69, how many adult collectors were out there? There weren't. There, there weren't that many. There weren't I that mean, many. if you go back and look in the hobby publications, you'll see some familiar names. But it's the circulation of some of these things. I guess Trader Speaks had just had just had started. Just started. Uh, but I, and maybe some people were the, the Sporting News, which I subscribed to for a long time. You probably did too. The probably only source yeah. of some of the the team by team information. They'd have classified ads in the back, and they'd sell complete sets of Bruce Yeko, Wholesale Card Company, some of those. But but what what were your chances as an adult collector back in '69? No mm -hmm. card shows, no card shops. You just have to put ads in the paper. And so your last two cards, you had to go to Maine to get them. I, the Is last two saying? series, I was in Maine. Okay. I bought the pack set by Maine. And the last two cards, I eventually went through my set and said, okay, a card, like some card show like in 1979, I said, okay, oh, I thought I had a complete set of adults. Let me just buy these two cards. I will tell you, they were hard to track down. Really? They, they were tough to track down. They were not that easy. Really? And I, so anytime I see them, I smile. And when was this? You're talking a long time ago. I'm talking 40 years ago. I'm okay. talking 78, 79. No Beckett Marketplace then. No well, Beckett Marketplace. No Comp C, no Beckett Marketplace. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's uh, more recent developments. Uh, 
And and when you were collecting sixty nine tops, I mean, there were no price guides uh, per no. se in those days. Were, what in the trading in your neighborhood was there some recognition of better players or yes, more local players definitely. to where you were two for one, three for one, or something? Yeah, and definitely. And then on top of it, the sixty nine Mets, you know, took off the end oh, of my the goodness. year. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you know, so you have Mantle, and he's got a ton of things. But then you also have. You know, the 69 Mets are taking off during Nolan the year. Nolan Ryan, second year card, yeah. But nobody cared about Nolan Ryan because he's... He hadn't emerged. He hadn't emerged. But you did care about Tom Seaver. Seaver. You cared about Jerry Kuzman. He was yeah. rookie of the year in yeah. 68. Yeah. And some of those 69 Mets are tough. Are When I say tough, not totally tough, but tough in the vernacular where Jerry Grody and Tommy Agee are tough cards within their set. You know, within their set. Al Weiss is a really tough 69 yeah. third series yeah. card. Well, like I said, all the third series, I, I found them to be tougher when I, I bought collections back in the 70s before I did price guides. And when you get to 69, actually, 69, really, when I think about it, I mean, I'm not saying I, well, I, when, when I ran ads to buy collections, it, I usually said I wanted to buy cards before 1960. And so all this stuff in the early 70s when I'm buying collections, if somebody had some 69s, I, I, I guess I would take it, but I could leave it also. And I'm just thinking, wow, if I'd known, uh, you know, but that was a long time ago. Right. In those days, those were easy cards to get. Now I always get as many of them as I want. But yeah. uh, whereas fifty, you know, mid fifties and early fifties were were, uh, were were always in demand. Uh, is that your favorite set? Sixty seven. My sixty seven is my favorite set. Sixty nine is just a set I know cold. I mean, I can look at the set and know this is easy. This is hard. Sixty seven is my favorite set in the sixty. But we're talking about the sixty nine variations. My brother had collected 62s, okay. so I collected a master set of 62s before there was before people okay. used the term master. So I guess I've always been fascinated by errors and variations. Okay, last question, Rich. Uh, I can do this on certain cards, certain sets, but I think you quite a bit more. I can do it. If I look at, if I present you a 69 tops card and I cover up all but a small percentage of it, my guess is you can tell me who I probably is. can, but I'm not as good. There was a guy in New York, a friend of Doug Hale's, who could do like 57 to 75 like I know, that. But if you saw half the card, half, you'd oh, get them all. I would get them all, yes. If you saw three-fourths of the card, I'd get them all. you'd get them all. If you saw one-fourth of the card... I'll get, a, I'd get most of them. One, you know, and not the name part, listeners. I'm talking about some obscure part that's the guy's right ear and half of his cap. I'd get most of them. left shoulder or something. I know you would because I've seen you in action, Rich. Uh, again, thanks, listeners, for participating in this, uh, or at least being the listeners for this conversation between uh, Rich Klein and myself about 69 Tops. Again, Tops, uh, one of our sponsors, uh, 69 was, uh, was a great year for the Mets, a great year for Tops with these other things. And uh, again, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Uh, again, uh, enjoy collecting. Look forward to doing again tomorrow. Thanks, Mark.